So when I was a kid, uh, there was a pair of twins that lived down the street from us. Their names were Rob and Steve. Now, my name is Robert Steven, so as a kid, I thought that was pretty cool. But Rob and Steve were identical twins, and they still are identical twins. And at first glance, if you, if you didn't know them very well, like most identical twins, you couldn't tell them apart. Rob and Steve used to use that to their advantage. I remember they were telling me a story of one time they went on a double date and they both got up and went into the bathroom while they were at a restaurant and changed shirts and came back out to see if the girls would notice. It was just a game they wanted to play. The truth is they did. The girls knew them well enough that they did know the difference. Maybe not immediately, but within a minute or two, they had it figured out. And that and that bears out a point here. If, if you walked by Rob and Steve... Um, and you didn't know them well, you didn't take the time to talk to them and see the differences in their mannerisms and the word choices and the thought patterns, because identical twins are identical biologically, but they don't always think the same, right? They're very, they're two different people. But you wouldn't notice that unless you took the time to get to know them. I say all that because we're about to take a look at Judas King Josiah. And, and Josiah has some similarities to one of Israel's kings that we looked at a couple of weeks ago. His name was Joash. In fact, even their names are similar. We've got Joash of Israel and Josiah of Judah. Say that fast three times. But their names are very similar. There's only one letter difference, and, they're in a, and then you move the letters around. They're in a different order, but they're very, very similar. They also both became kings at a very young age. Joash was seven. Josiah was eight. We're going to read about that in just a second. They both had people who were guiding them. They both had people who were walking with them and helping them see the direction they needed to go with the Lord. But as we remember last week, Josiah, or a few weeks ago, Josiah went sideways at the end of his life. He's really never took on his faith as his own. He let a priest named Jehoiada really live out what he said he believed. Jehoiada was really the driver behind all of the changes and the growth that was happening in the northern kingdom of Israel. And when Jehoiada died, that all fell apart for him. And he was left to choose to embrace his faith in God or to be, quite frankly, dragged away by the other influences in his life. And he chose the latter. Josiah is different. Josiah will not do that. As we read this story, he's one of the quote-unquote good kings, right? He's one of the few out of the 40 kings that covered Israel and Judah in this time frame that we're talking about here. He's one of eight. You know, it's a 20% chance of being one of the good kings. And he is one of the good kings who saw his race all the way to the end. So we're going to pick up in 2 Kings chapter 22. We're going to spend some time in chapter 22 and chapter 23 today. We're going to bounce to three different sections of scripture to kind of get the overview of the story and see what lessons we can learn. What's different about Josiah's kingdom and his life walking with God than Joe Ashes. So if you would turn with me, we're going to 2 Kings chapter 22. We're going to start in verse 1 and read verses 1 through 6. I'm going to read out of the CSB. Why don't you read along? It says this, Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedidah, daughter of Adiah, and he was from Bozkath, or she was from Bozkath. He did what was right in the Lord's sight and walked in all the ways his ancestor of his ancestor David. 
He did not turn to the right or the left. In the 18th year of King jo Josiah, the king sent the court secretary, Shaphan, son of Azaliah, son of Meshulam, to the Lord's temple, saying, Go up to the high priest Hilkiah, so that he may total up the silver brought into the Lord's temple, the silver the doorkeepers have collected from the people. It is to be given to those doing the work, those who oversee the Lord's temple. They, in turn, are to give it to the workmen in the Lord's temple to repair the damage. They are to give it to the carpenters, the builders, and masons to buy timber and quarried stone to repair the temple. Even more similarities between these two men, right? They are both leading God's people. They are both found in the book of 2 Kings, chapter 11 for Joash and chapter 22 for Josiah. They are seven years old. One is seven years old. One is eight years old. They both are driven to acquire or bring together all the silver for the Lord's temple, all the silver in the kingdom in order to repair the temple. They're both being called to this and, and they're, they're calling together their priests and their leaders and saying, this is our priority right now. We need to do this. But there was a difference there. If you remember back in the story of Joash, Joash actually uh, distributed the money first through the priests and asked the priests to manage it. And then 23 years later, when he realized nothing was being done in the temple, he stopped them and said, no, no, this isn't working. We're going to have to make some changes here. And then he went to having the carpenters, the masons, and the builders get the money directly. And it leaves me wondering, you know, why, why do you think there's a difference here? Could it be that word got around maybe and, and Josiah has learned because he comes a little bit after Joash in the time frame, or could it be that Josiah felt a greater urgency in his faith? We don't know for sure, but what we do know is that Josiah didn't stray as Joash did. And we see that in verse two, that phrase, he did what was right in the Lord's sight and walked in all the ways of his ancestor, David. And I love this phrase. He did not turn to the right or to the left. That phrase is all through the Old Testament. Moses uses it. It's used in Ecclesiastes, it's used in Joshua, it's used in Isaiah, it's all over. What it really means is, depending on the context, it's either a phrase that encourages or one that celebrates those God is calling to back to him, saying, keep your eyes on the goal. If you didn't stray from the right or the left, you kept your eyes on the goal and kept moving toward the path that God had laid out for you. And that's exactly what Josiah did. But this was about, for him, more than about rebuilding the temple. And that's really, really important. Let's keep going. We're going to look at 2 Kings, this time chapter 22, verses 10 through 13. Then the court secretary, Shaphan, told the king, the priest Hilkiah has given me a book. And Shaphan read it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. Then, they, then he commanded the priest Hilkiah, Ahikim son of Shaphan, Akbor son of Micaiah, the court secretary Shaphan, and the king's servants Asiah, go and inquire of the Lord for me, for the people, and for all Judah about the words in this book that has been found. For great is the Lord's wrath that is kindled against us because our ancestors have not obeyed the words of this book in order to do everything written about us. This is a, this event right here, 
This moment in 2 Kings 22, 10 through 13, I think is critical to understanding Josiah's heart and more importantly, to understanding God's heart. This just isn't any book, this book of the law. This is, is something special. I was reading a story the other day about a guy named David Amaya. David Amaya was 37 years old, and he was captured at the border between the United States and Mexico. He was trying to get into the United States. And Border Patrol agents grabbed him, and they said, Hey, uh, you're not supposed to be here. And he said, Actually, in Spanish, by the way, because it's the only language he spoke, he said, Actually, I was born in Chicago, and my mother's name is Kathy Amaya. The border agents at first didn't believe him, but they did some checking. And I don't know what led them to do that, but they did some checking. And what they found out was that, in fact, this man's story was true. He had disappeared with his father 35 years ago when he was two years old. His father had taken him south to go visit his grandparents in Mexico, and he had never come back. It took... (laughs) It took some time, but they tracked down his birth certificate and they tracked down his now 60-year-old mother in Wisconsin. And after 35 years apart, something that I'm sure his mother, Kathy, thought, I'm never going to see my son again, right? At this point, she's given up all hope of ever seeing him again. Can you imagine getting that phone call? Can you imagine that reunion, that Oh my goodness, what I thought was lost forever has now been returned to me. Something I love, something I cherish, my son, my child. I can't even imagine going through such a thing. What a moment that had to have been for her and for David. This is what's going on here with Josiah. He sees the word of the Lord. We call it the Torah, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. That's what this is. It has been lost, I don't know, buried in a corner, under in a temple, in a corner underneath a bunch of gold or a couple of other scrolls. It's just buried. These five books of the law, these scrolls are found and brought out. And Josiah just has this moment where he is cut to the core. As he listens to the words being heard, he's just going, I cannot believe that we let this go. I cannot believe that our ancestors walked away from this. I cannot believe we're not following God, the God who brought us out of Egypt, the God who saved our people, the God whose grace has allowed us to be here this long. And he is cut to the quick. And so we see him immediately grabbing people and rebuilding the temple. But it's not just about rebuilding the temple. For him, this is more. This is also about rebuilding the people of God. We see in his response, he tears his clothes. This is an indicator that he is sad. He is in despair. And this is an utter kind of anguish but in in this case the context also lends itself to the notion that he's he's angry he's flat out angry at what has happened and the position that his people are in he even goes so far as to throw his ancestors a little under the bus right he said you know what they set us up for this is not cool right but he's mad and this tearing of clothes also is an indication of repentance there's that Pesky word repentance again, right? The, the people of God have been living for centuries with kind of a godish 
attitude, God-ish, right? We're God's people, sort of, kind of, when it's convenient. We've talked about that before with Joash. Judah was no different. They were doing many, if not all, of the same things, worshiping the same gods of Asherah and Baal and Molech, even sacrificing their children at times. And if you read in this scripture in chapter 23, you can see that. this That's one of the practices that Josiah put to a halt because it was actually happening at the time, all because they had walked away from God and been content with this Godish pursuit, halfway pursuing God and halfway not. Now, the oral traditions of the scriptures were there, right? So the people of God did tell some of the stories, but at no point or at some point in the last couple of centuries, they had lost the actual written word of God. And with it, the fullness of their commitment. They were living with a knowledge of God and under the grace of God, but they weren't really worshiping him. And Josiah just couldn't stomach it. He was convicted that something had to change, but that's important for us to note. It didn't stop with conviction. It started with conviction. I think it's really easy to be in a moment and be convicted of something, right? If you're hearing the word of God and you can hear it calling to you and saying, look, I am falling short, right? I am not living the life I need to live. I am breaking the 10 commandments. I am doing things I don't need to be doing and feel convicted about it. But there's a difference there between feeling convicted and doing something with it. And that's exactly what he does. Joash immediately, immediately admits that God is angry, that there has been a cost to all of this walking away from God and ignoring him. Israel has already fallen. The northern kingdom has already fallen for the same things, and they're going, Judah's going down the same path. And by the way, even with these reforms that Josiah is about to put in place, they will still fall. They will still fall. But he recognizes this, this cost that has come to them, and that's a tough thing to admit. None of us ever want to say, God is angry with us, but he is. And that means something he needs to change. And so Joash takes action, right? He grabs the Lord's priest, looks him in the face and says, you guys need to go seek God's counsel on this. We need God involved. Nothing we do moving forward is going to work without his involvement. And then he does something else. In this next section of scripture, we see that he influences the people in his world that he can change because he recognizes the importance of this message, the importance of returning to God, and the need to be fully, fully committed to worshiping him and him alone as the only God in the world. He, de- he, he recognizes the fallen nature of his country, and he begins to influence the people around him. In fact, Josiah is about to do some things that I think if we saw a religious leader do this today, we would probably just stand back in awe. Watch this. It says, this is going to be in 2 Kings 23, verses 1 through 3. It says this, So the king sent messengers, and they gathered all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem to him. Then the king went to the Lord's temple with all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, as well as the priests and the prophets. prophets. All the people from the youngest to the oldest He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant that had been found in the Lord's temple. 
Next, the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant in the Lord's presence to follow the Lord and to keep his commands, his decrees, and his statues with all his heart and with all his soul. In order to carry out the words of this covenant that were written in this book, all the people agreed to the covenant. So Josiah reads this book within the hearing of the people. And they all agree to follow the covenant that the Lord has laid out for them. But if you were to continue reading in this chapter, the rest of this chapter, <laughs> he doesn't just say, okay, we'll get to making changes when it's time. He cuts loose immediately. He destroys everything. He pulls it all out of the temple. Anything that's not godly, he pulls it all out of the temple. Anything related to Asherah or Baal or Molech or anything else that might detract or be inconsistent with the book of the law with what God is calling for, and he burns it. He burns it in the middle of Jerusalem. <laughs> and then he goes around to the other temples and the other high places, right? He removes all the idolatrous priests and says, you're done. You don't need to be here anymore. He puts hundreds of people out of work immediately. And some of them, frankly, he takes their lives. He tears down the houses of cult prostitutes, and, and he tears down altars, not just in Jerusalem, but all over Judah. He destroys everything and anything that might have been contrary to God's will that they worship him. Those are big actions. They remind me, though, of something Jesus did. During the Passover week, during Holy Week, on that Monday when Jesus walks into the temple, right? And he sees the money changers ripping people off as they were trying to buy perfect sacrifices to offer up during this time of Passover. He sees them ripping them off and he screams. He gets out a whip and he flips over tables and he says, get out of here, right? This, this house, this is my father's house. This is a house of prayer. It is not a den of thieves. It's one of the rare moments when we see Jesus acting with this, this zeal, this passionate zeal that is, is quite frankly, angry at what they've done to the name of God and in worshiping God. And that's a, very similar to what Josiah is doing here. He's angry. And he's angry because it's a righteous anger. God would have him fix that. God would have him change it, change that because it's not the way it's supposed to be. As this chapter continues to play out, there's this seminal moment that kind of parks itself in the middle of all of these zealous moments where he's doing all of these things. And then after this moment we're about to read, there's more zealous moments, right? There's, there's more of this. We're going to make some changes. We're not just going to sit and wait for it to happen. We are going to go make changes. We're going to make changes in our lives. We're going to make changes in the leader's lives. And we're going to do abs our absolute best to influence everyone we can. Now, in his case, that's a kingdom, right? He's a king. And, and I don't know that there are very many people listening to this now or at any point that are going to be considered kings, right? So you don't have that kind of influence, but you do have influence over the people you call family, over the people you work with, over the people you go to school with, over the people that are in your life that you maybe even sometimes people that you pass on the street. You might be surprised who you can influence. Now, can you go start tearing up their stuff and throwing it all away? I don't recommend that. That's illegal in, I think, all 50 states and most countries. So I say don't do that. 
but to recognize that everyone is in need of God and to approach the call that you have on your life to be, and we all do if we are followers of Christ, to be a shining light in our world around us, to be an influence in the world around us, to change for us to change and to spread that hope of change, that hope that comes only with the gospel to the rest of the world. That kind of zeal is exactly what Josiah is trying to do here. And it's exactly what Jesus was doing, was resetting the set of expectations, remapping people, getting them back on the road they needed to be on and saying, we have to move forward as God wants us to move forward, not to move to the right or to the left, but to go where God wants us to go. And so in the middle of this chapter, we see this respite of a moment. It's in 2 Kings 23, verses 21 through 23. Watch this. It says, The king commanded all the people, Observe the Passover of the Lord your God as written in the book of the covenant. No such Passover has ever been observed from the time of the judges who judged Israel through the entire time of the kings of Israel and Judah. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, the Lord's Passover was observed in Jerusalem. This is what you would call a revival. This is what you would call one of those moments where they have rediscovered the living God, where they have reignited a relationship with Yahweh and where they have made a recommitment to living with him and for him with abandon. Josiah demonstrates that this isn't about trying to fit into fit God into the rest of the culture around him. He says, no, this, that's not an option. There's a term for that. It's called syncretism, by the way. It's called making your faith in God match more closely to the culture around you than to try to match your life to what God is calling you to and allow the culture to deal with it, <laughs> right? Syncretism is about changing even the meaning of the gospel. Syncretism changes our practices. Syncretism means we become less like the people of God that he intends us to be and more like the people around us. Revival stops that dead in its tracks. This recommitment to God, this is something that happens cyclically throughout the Christian life. Sometimes individually it happens for us, but it's also happened in grand movements over the years, right? The Reformation would be one of the huge ones, right? We're led by Martin Luther as he says, no, no, I'm a, I'm a Catholic priest, he says, but we've got this all wrong. <laughs> Some things need to change and it needs to change now because we've lost our way. We've gone to the left. We took a left turn into Albuquerque. It's a Bugs Bunny joke. And we've lost our way. We are in a critical time in our nation's future, in our world's future, where we are post Christendom. That means that, that we are Christians are no longer the driving force for social status and expectations. We're not, we're not heavily influential as a group. And at least part of that, at least part of that is the way the world is intended to go. We're not intended to go, but will go. I mean, Revelation's pretty clear. It's going to get ugly before it gets holy, right? But another part of that is that maybe we've 
taken a left turn. Maybe we've lost our zeal for the things of God. Maybe we've stopped trying to live as God would have us live and started trying to live like the culture and fit God in. Maybe we've abandoned our responsibility to share the gospel. Maybe we've abandoned our responsibility to care for those who cannot care for themselves. Maybe we've abandoned the commitment we are intended to have to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. Joash didn't figure that out, that that was a problem. Josiah did. And my hope and my prayer is that we, individually and corporately as the church, will challenge ourselves to live with zeal and abandon for the things of God, that we will be more like Josiah than Joash, that we will walk the path that he has us on, that we will do things as God intended, that we will not stray from the right or the left, and that we will be the shining example and influence we are intended to be on those we touch. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you and he be gracious to you. May he grant you favor and give you peace. God bless.